My agent called, he said he got some interest in my strip. I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it. I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot. I even got a famous classic case of writer's block. Get it out of my head. Get it out of my head. Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today is Mark Worzecha. Worzecha. Damn it, I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your name again. Mark Worzecha. <laughs> well, I have good news for you, though, Pilar. Is, and the good news is I accept literally any pronunciation of my last name. Hey, Mark W. Yo, yeah, you. When, when you have a last name like mine, you have to just decide early in life. Like, <laughs> I'm uh, however people say it, I'm great with it. Pilar Alessandra feels your pain. So yeah. it's Warzeka, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that is All right. Mark Warzeka, who has, uh, who's a very uh, good sport about his name, is also a writer and comedian whose credits include Comedy Central's Detroiters, Full Screen Lives in Tour, and the satire Love Factually, which was at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Mark served as the Associate Artistic Director of the Second City Hollywood Training Center and has taught comedy workshops at dozens of corporate institutions from Intel to Dave & Buster's. And now he brings his training online for the Sketch School, where you can learn how to write sketch comedy from the comfort of your own living room. Um, and you can check that out at thesketchschool.com. So I'm very, very happy to have Mark here. Mark was actually on in 2018, and we were talking about writing comedy then. But it's a sad time, Mark. It's a sad, <laughs> it's a sad time. We're all sad and anxious and i demand that mark come on and try and tell us how to be funny during a pandemic so tell me mark how well you know the first thing i sort of say whenever i'm starting a new workshop during this pandemic is i congratulate everyone for doing it and for taking care of their artistic side of themselves and making an effort to stay connected with some fun and some funny and some comedy and some art because it is really hard right now and the world is so scary and we all feel overwhelmed. And I think whatever that is, you know, for you, whether it's comedy or different type of writing or painting or whatever, I, I feel like it takes a little more effort right now for a lot of us than it did pre-pandemic to stay connected to that side. So, and maybe it's just listening to this podcast, you know, as part of that, but um, I'm always congratulating everybody for saying I've got to make an effort. And I think that for a lot of us right now, it is, uh, you got to make that, you got to make the choice. You got to make the conscious choice to say, I've got to try to stay connected to, to my art right now. Now, do you have any suggestions for people who want that connection? Um, do you like going into a room that is sort of apart from your work or your family or jumping up and down and just being silly? Any Anything that you uh, suggest for jogging that creati creativity with people? 
Well, I, you know, I always like to do, I like to do a lot of fast paced exercises, writing exercises that help me. And I hope they help people that, that I work with on them. They help me to get in a comedy zone quickly. So, you know, especially for writers, I think, um, engaging in writing and letting it be okay if you are engaged in writing that ne- doesn't necessarily always have to have some concrete results. And I find that when I first sit down for a writing session myself or when I start a workshop, if I give myself a little bit of time that's like free writing, fun writing, brain dump, a comic game I'm going to play with myself or in our workshops, that helps me to get loosened up and start to get in the creative brain space. And then once I'm there, then I'll move to the more concrete goal-oriented writing that I want to do. But letting it be a little free and creative, um, I think can help. Is there a prompt that you could offer? Just one prompt that, you know, for getting in that space, the writing well, prompt? One real easy one uh-huh. uh, that almost anybody could do is, is um, a writing exercise called five things. So you just give yourself a category, like, like I might say, okay, five superheroes that you wish existed, five places you've been that you wish you've never been, <laughs> five holidays you wish you occurred. What are five things you would do if a meteor was about to hit the earth and there was only one hour left to live? And you just quickly, without judging, without planning, without thinking about it, just go. Five things as quick as you can in each category. Go, 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 go. So exercises like that I find are really helpful and they seem to help um, – folks to get jump started when we're working together in workshops as well. Oh, sure. Like I'm just thinking about those, you know, five superheroes, right? Yeah. You know, I'm just like looking around right now. I'm like, oh, it's a microphone woman. It's menopause woman. It's, you know, right. it's sketch man. It's, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. We just, I, I was just teaching a workshop before we started recording today and we did, th- we did this uh-huh. and um, one of them was deodorant man. So we were like, great deodorant man. <laughs> then we did a different exercise where everybody is at deodorant man has died. <laughs> Everyone's at the funeral of deodorant man. So choose who you were. You were the sidekick or the arch nemesis. Choose an emotion, how you feel about him. I'm excited he's gone or I'm jealous and write a short monologue. And these hilarious monologues come out of that where it's just like, this is B.O. Man. He was the, you know, the arch enemy of, <laughs> of deodorant man. And he's glad he's dead. But it's just all loose, fun kind of writing to just start playing together. This is such a serious time, you know, in the world and for all of us. And I think it can feel so cathartic to just play a little bit like that on the page. So you're teaching sketch writing, okay? And sort of working off of deodorant man with his arch nemesis and they're at a funeral. Um, So I would imagine this becomes the, 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 the... tent poles of your sketch, right? That's right. Okay. Yes. Because yes. right. a lot of what we, you know, a lot of what we, we look at in the workshops that I teach are, are, you know, in sketch world in general, right? If you're writing sketch comedy anywhere, whether it's for SNL or the Growlings or UCB or Second City or any of the great sketch shows on TV or TikTok or whatever, um, there is a, there is a, it is important to have a process in place, and I think sometimes because sketch is such a short form, you know, average sketch is like three to five minutes, right? So basically it's three to five pages. So sometimes people will think because it's so short, sometimes writers will think, 
well, it's only three pages. I should be able to just sit down and be able to write a sketch in one draft and, and that's it and, and ready to go. And in fact, you want to have a little bit longer creative process than that. No, certainly not as lengthy as when you're developing a pilot or writing a, you know, a, a TV spec or writing a full screenplay. But you still want a process in place. And part of that process is exactly what you're saying, Pilar, of let's start with something loose and fun and silly and creative. But then once we've got Deodorant Man <laughs> and B.O., established as characters as the superhero and the arch enemy, then that could evolve into a more long form character monologue that could evolve into this superhero, you know, Marvel movie trailer parody sketch with these two characters. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, finding the process and finding what's standard for developing sketch, I think is really important for sketch writers and understanding that all of those sketch school skills translates to and can be useful in other types of comedy writing, right? Whether you're going to write a pilot or write a screenplay or write stand up or whatever. So, so you know, it's interesting that you went to monologue and then you went to oh, it could be a trailer. Um, <laughs> so it's it's funny that like I guess I was thinking like oh, the funeral itself is the situation, right? That it yeah. goes from characters to situation. But you went from characters to monologue. I'm curious because I'm sure when you're teaching people sketch, you don't want people just coming out and monologuing, right? What is what is that stage in it about as far as being creative goes? Why is a monologue an interesting way to get to sketch? That is such a great question. And, you know, I think monologue can be comedy monologue can be really useful in two ways. One, it could be just in and of itself the bit. Like when you think about uh, Weekend Update, for example, as a real kind of mainstream sketch example, Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live will have a character have characters come on every episode, maybe two characters, three characters will come on and guest on Weekend Update and essentially be doing character monologue, right? So like, you know, Stefan was a wildly popular SNL character that Bill Hader would do that is he's doing a monologue, right? Like he's coming on and doing a monologue. So in and of itself, monologue can be a great comedy form and, and sketch form, but it also can be a great transition from raw material or raw ideas about the character to the eventual sketch. So I've got some raw ideas. Monologue helps me because there's no one else to bounce off of. Monologue helps me hone on, hone in on what exactly is the funny of this character. What exactly is the funny of what exactly is their point of view? What exactly is their comic game? So that I can, I can uh, hone in on that, focus on it, explore it. And then that'll really help me if I want to take that character and put them into a longer form sketch because I know exactly where the funny is supposed to come from and how to feed that in the sketch. You know, you were in my classes and I, I don't know if you were in the rewrite class, but in, in that I make everybody find a monologue in their work or write the monologue and then they only get to keep one line because there's one perfect line in there that really expresses what they wanted to in that whole big fat monologue. Yeah. So it's it's a lesson in editing, but it's also a lesson in the fact that there's gold in that there monologue, right? So is it a little bit of the same thing that even though they're monologuing, you said there is the funny. Is it the fact that they eventually sort of land on 
there's that one thing that they say, or is there sort of a thesis behind everything that they say that, that helps with the funny? Yeah. I mean, we're looking for, I mean, a little bit, a little bit of both, I think, because we're looking for in, in sketch or monologue, but these short form comedy formats, we're looking for a comic game, a a comic pattern that's going to repeat and heighten. So, when the uh, the monologue is so stripped down that you end up it ends up being a great form to sort of find that that funny game and then and then extrapolate and uh, and grow it either in a longer form monologue or or moving it into the sketch but i think in either case like your exercise which is i remember doing that exercise as a student in your classes and it's such a great exercise both your exercise and i think what I'm what I'm trying to uh, go for in these comedy monologues essentially do the same thing of like boil it down to its core, right? What's the essence of this? Let's make sure we've got a good handle on that and go from there. So, okay. So apart from monologue, um, again, that idea of, but what's the sketch beyond sort of, again, for me, what would have been the ob- ob- obvious you said the funeral, right? So I guess you add a situation, there's a possible sketch. But how did you get to trailer? How did you get to like a satirical Marvel trailer? Like what are some of the things people can run through in their head to find different kinds of sketches that aren't the most obvious? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there There are some tools that you can use for that. And one of the tools is when if you've got a sense of who your character is, what their point of view is, what their comic game is, what makes them funny. Um, one exercise I like to, to, to go through is where's the worst place in the world to put that person? <laughs> where's the place you can put them, right, where they really can exploit their, their comic point of view? So there's, a, there's as an example, uh, Rachel Dratch used to do this very popular Saturday Night Live character called Debbie Downer, right, where it's like everyone remembers Debbie Downer. Like, yeah. You know, everyone's she's always with a group of people. They're having a normal conversation, having a good time. And Debbie Downer's funny. Her comic game, the pattern that she repeats and heightens is she's going to say something depressing to bring everyone down over and over and over again. That's what she's going to do. Right. So if I know that about a character, if I've honed in on that through monologue or raw material, that this is going to be this character's game, then that helps me explore and brainstorm other places I might put them. The very first Debbie Downer sketch is set at Disney world. It's set at the happiest (laughs) place on earth, right? So that is not an accident that the first Debbie Downer sketch is at the happiest place on earth. Cause they're going, what is the worst place in the world? We can put somebody whose game is they constantly bring everyone down. They want to contrast it with the location. So that's a good, like, you know, tool uh, that you can do to get up to a bunch of different ideas of potential sketch scenarios and locations. Now, when you get groups of people together, right. Um, I would imagine that would be kind of hard online, but when you're, when you're instructing them in person, okay. And they're all together. What is a, a, how do you get a hive mind approach when developing a sketch? They're not often, they're not always reading off of a, a script, right? Sometimes there's a little bit of improv involved. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of brainstorming. Because I think in sketch comedy, we're often taking a lot of shots on goal, um, where we have an idea of where we're headed and we want everybody to brainstorm, you know, a hundred different jokes, right? Uh, you know, a hundred different premises before we get there. We're able to, I've been sort of surprised to be totally honest with you on uh, how much we're able to simulate online and on Zoom, um, you know, a, a brainstormy kind of writer's roomy atmosphere. I, I wouldn't have thought like pre-pandemic, you know, I wouldn't have thought that we'd be able to do so many of the things that you're able to do on Zoom and have them go okay. I was really skeptical about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're able to do this. And maybe it's just because we were all just forced to get used to this so fast too. Yeah. There's like, we're kind of able to, it's, it's, it's fun. We're able to do this, but I think if you go, you know, I think it's a, I think it's part of the, the, my answer to your question would be, I think head writer or show right show runner or teacher, you know, depending on the, what setting you're in is really important to making sure that the room is focused, even in a short form, like sketch mm-hmm. and that the goals are clear. So they're saying, you know, uh, here's going to be our our idea for our sketch is I think there's two ways you could brainstorm. One is we know what the game is going to be. This sketch is uh, Key and Peele's East West College Bowl. Key and Peele are going to be playing dozens of different uh, football players, each with unusual and ridiculous le- names. Let's come up with 2000 names. And we'll pick our favorite 24 that are going to go into this sketch, right? So that's a really focused brainstorm. And then the writer's room can can um, fire away at that. I think another, um, you know, common scenario in a, in a sketch writer's room is something's happened in the world that you want to do a sketch about, but you're not quite sure what the angle is going to be on the sketch. Um, so, you know, maybe it's the presidential debate has happened. And you, you know, you want to do a sketch about that. And there are a lot of different ways you could come at that debate. Maybe a bunch of things happen that stood out to you and you're not going to get them all into a five minute sketch. And then the room might function that way. Again, I think led by a good showrunner or head writer or teacher and say, this is where we're headed. What stood out to everybody about the actual debate? What could be your take on it? What could be our game once we get to the sketch and you get a, you get a bunch of shots on goal that way. I love that you said different points of view, too, because just like when you're developing characters uh, for your long form uh, projects, you have to know what the different characters points of view are in order to have fully fleshed out characters. And so in sketch, you're saying, well, you know, you could do the point of view of of um each presidential candidate, you could do the point of view of the fly, you could do the point of view of, you know, somebody who's trying not to catch COVID in the audience, you could do the point of view of a cameraman, like there's all these different ways to look at the story, right? Right. And, uh, and just starting, starting there with what's, you know, what are these people thinking or feeling? So it can work for long form to just remember what their point of view is to flesh them out, but also for, for sketch. Yes. Yeah. And, um, it, that reminds me, uh, yes. And like, I think that when you're looking at satire specifically, 
Um, it's very important to be clear on your point of view um, as a writer on the issue that you're taking on. So, like, I agree with everything that you're saying, Falar, in terms of, like, character. And then also sometimes when we're doing sketch satire, we have to know what exactly we're wanting to say. And if we're not, it's it could get really muddled. Well, that, really I, that's a really good point, because the dangers of knowing everybody's point of view, right, is that you don't focus, right? And that, right. And that everybody's suddenly, well, my point of view is this, my point, my character, right? And it's like, you don't have time. The sketch, like you said, right? It's short form. You got to, you got to home in on things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if also. It's a silly thing. Like, like, um, even it's a silly thing. Like if you had a pet peeve that it drives you crazy at work, when people make broccoli and cauliflower in the microwave because it stinks <laughs> and you hate it and you have to smell it and it grosses you out. But you don't mind. But sometimes you bring that in and you make it and you don't mind when you do it because you're going to eat it. Uh, so it doesn't bother you as much. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that already, this silly little thing I'm describing is too many points of view for a short form three page sketch. Like we've got in sketch, you've got to, you only have three to five pages you, you have to pick one side and only come at that side. Your side is that you can't stand it or your side is that it's okay. In a pilot, you've got more time to look at more a- all angles. In a screenplay, you've got more time to look at all angles. In a sketch, you don't. The sketch has to say one thing and play that game really well. I love that. You know, okay, we may have talked about this last time you're here, but I think it, it, it bears repeating because it's something I'm always looking for when I'm watching SNL or any sketch show is how are they going to end this thing? Right. You got a great scenario. You've got a great game and then you've got to end it. There's, you know, and, and that's where a little storytelling comes in because maybe there's a twist, maybe there's a button, but man, that's hard. What are, what are some of your tips on, on doing that when you're creating? Yeah. It's it's like people, I will often uh, talk with people and, and, and sometimes there's people in workshops who will first be writing sketch and they will often say the ends of sketches are terrible. I was watching this sketch show or I was watching that sketch show. None of the sketches end well. Endings are not funny. They're never good. And then they'll try to write sketch and realize it's really hard to write funny endings. It is. Yeah. Like really hard because you don't have that much to resolve. Mm-hmm. It's only like three pages. So, you know, so like you don't have that much to work off of to get to that out and button. So there's a couple different strategies people do. A lot of times in TV sketch, especially as opposed to theater sketch, like Second City or The Growlings or UCB. In TV sketch, like on SNL or Key and Peele or Inside Amy Schumer, Black Lady Sketch Show or any of these other great shows, sometimes they'll just play their comic game and it will heighten, 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 heighten and just end. They don't even try to have a turn in and out. They don't even try to have a resolution. Debbie Downer will just say depressing thing after depressing thing after a really extreme depressing thing. And then just ends. It's like that, that's the craziest thing she's going to say. Right. They have yeah. the music a little bit to help, right? <laughs> that like, you know, and if it gave it a sort of finality by doing that. Or everybody was, she always cracked up the entire cast. Every time yeah. she did it, it was like yes. they're, I don't know, they're Achilles heel. Okay. <laughs> so there was that. I'm sorry. There was that. Okay. So, some, so, th- so that is like, 
it's not a, I feel like I almost described it like a cop-out, but that's like a really legitimate way to end your sketch. Just go to your biggest height. And Key and Peele did it a lot on their, on their show, and it would work exceptionally well. They'd go to their biggest height, the furthest they're going to go. They're, they're, you know, they're, um, there's a, the I was like sketch where they're both trying to um, talk about their wives <laughs> and they need to get further and further and further their wa- away from their wives. So the wives won't overhear them. Mm-hmm. So they just keep playing that game and they get to the furthest height, which is they're in outer space hiding from their wives. <laughs> and it just And then it just ends like there is no resolution or out. They're just in outer space. That's the furthest. That's the biggest height. So it's a very legitimate way to end a sketch. We do teach in our in our workshops. We do teach sketch turn and out. All right. What if you do want to have some type of resolution and button or turn and out at the bottom? Basically, you know, you're looking at what has been the main problem of the sketch. What has been the main problem? And can you have some resolution that will resolve that problem or stop that game from being played? And then maybe one little joke at the end of that. So if Debbie Downer is bringing everyone down, maybe she learns her lesson and says something nice. And that would be a resolution. Or maybe everyone just gets up and leaves and leaves her alone. And that would be the resolution. Um, and she can't play her game anymore. So there's a couple different ways to, to look at it. But um, no matter what, ending sketches is challenging. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know what else is challenging is is let's say that you're a sketch writer. It is just what you do so well, right? And especially right now with the pandemic and not being able to get out on stage and do things, right? Um, what are some of the visual platforms, TV platforms that that are accepting sketches right now or, or that people should sort of open their mind to? There might be work for you as a sketch writer this way. Yeah. 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 This is such a great question. A couple different things come to mind. I mean, this uh, isn't necessarily work per se, (laughs) but I think a lot of people have been doing in like, especially writer performer hybrids have been doing even more in the pandemic is like TikTok and Instagram front facing character point of view, short solo sketches. And there's a lot of really fantastic, funny character sketch work on TikTok and Instagram. And the, the time limits of the medium, I think, are very good for comedy. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> you always want comedy to be tight. Right, right. You always want it to be short. Uh, you always want it to be only the best stuff. And TikTok forces you to do that. Yeah, kind of like the way that Twitter back when it was 40 characters, 140 characters. What was it? 140 characters? Uh, uh, yeah. 140 characters. Back, it would really, really help you write in a concise way. You, yes. you couldn't really babble. So Instagram, TikTok, it's, you know, I, I am very impressed. Like my 15-year-old, of course, like all, oh, actually she's 16 now. My 16-year-old, like all 16-year-olds is on TikTok a lot. But I can't help it. Every time she shows me something, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's really funny. You know, and it's such a short amount of time. It's so visual. And the fact that like the good ones do tell an immediate story, you know, sometimes I think because the context isn't there. So your imagination does the work. Yeah. 
And sometimes they'll just uh, a lot of like the front facing character uh, videos on TikTok or Instagram. There's just the premise is just up on screen, right? You just put the premise up on screen. It's like the girl who sits behind you in art class that suddenly thinks she's artsy, <laughs> right? And then <laughs> it's just jump cuts of like lines of dialogue that that girl might say for 45 seconds. So it's like you, you get right immediately to the funny, right immediately to the game. Things an eight-year-old kid says when she's left in the car alone without her mom is what's up on screen. And then it's just like joke, 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 joke. So the efficiency of that, I think, is really, really fun. So it's really a great way to practice because you could bring also all of those lines into a character that's in a long form. They've yes. already been been tried out to some extent. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I love that. Okay. So I got another question for you that's a little career related. Okay. Yeah. The packet. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if this is something you feel comfortable answering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so when on this podcast, oftentimes we're talking about a pilot and a pitch for TV. We're talking about a screenplay that is either a writing sample or something that you sell, you know. Hopefully it's both. Um, but with when you're trying for a comedy show like Saturday Night Live or for um, a late night talk show um, where you're going to be, you know, submitting to be somebody who writes monologues or whatever, you need a packet. And then people will, will get in touch with me and go, what is in the packet? So I only have certain things to say back to them. And I'm going to now ask you what is in the packet, Mark? Yes, What's in the packet? Yes, yes. I'm so glad you're asking this, Pilar, because I get asked this all the time. And in our workshops, our students always ask this, right? They're like, what's in a packet? So we go over it, you know, in the, in the, in the workshops and, I'm, and I'll talk about everything that we go over there, you know, here, because this always people are always wondering this is like what is this sketch packet what am i supposed to have exactly so i think with sketch it's a little it's a little less um formal than it is with um like tv pilot tv spec or screenplay i think it's a little clearer in those mediums what exactly you're supposed to have uh to send out as a sample and sketch packet is and maybe feels rightfully a little bit more unclear to folks. So this is this is how I'd recommend everyone to, to look at the idea of sketch packet, how, I, how most sketch writers, I think, approach it. Um, most sketch writers will have on standby, ready to be sent out at any moment, should it be requested, <laughs> a, a PDF of about three to five sketches that are a variety of different types of sketches. So uh, a character-based sketch like Debbie Downer we're talking about, a sketch with a really strong game or list game in it, like that Key and Peel East West Bowl sketch I was mentioning, a, a, a satire um, of something going on in the world, maybe a short commercial parody, right? A, a three to five sketch, and then maybe a, a fifth thing that's just sort of funny to you. But three to five short sketches that are showing a wide range of different sketch types. So you want to show, obviously, your comedic sensibility. You want to show your point of view. And you want to show that you understand that these are the major categories of sketch. I understand them, and I'm able to write in them. So you have that as your standby sketch packet. And you may occasionally get asked by somebody 
to send that sketch packet. So maybe an agent or a manager or somebody who's developing a new sketch show might say, we need sketch writers. Send your sketch packet. And you can just send that. But what also happens is um, particular shows may ask for certain things only in the sketch packet or give you parameters. So SNL, um, last year, I think, they were asking for a packet with three to four sketches. One was a character-based sketch. One was a topical sketch that they defined as either being political or pop culture topical. They wanted one commercial parody because they do that, and I think they asked for a fourth thing that was anything that you want. Um, or or shows may ask for some different versions of that. They might go, you know, we're going to do a real character-based show, so send us three character-based sketches. We're not going to do any parody, so we don't want parody. Send, and we're not going to do any topical satire, so don't send that either. Send three character-based sketches and one thing that's just funny to you. So depending on the sensibility of the show and what they're going for, they may ask you for certain things, in which case you would dip into your existing standby sketch packet <laughs> – and say, okay, anything I've gotten here that's already well vetted, that I know works, that I know kills, I'll take that and drop this into my sample for SNL or whoever. And then I might have to write one or two new things to fit their parameters and form that sketch packet just for this submission. These are all scripted. None of these are just in premise form, right? All scripted. Um, what about for a late night show that also wants to consider you for a political monologue? What about just jokes? I've heard that, okay, so they, they may need sketches, but they may also need jokes. Is that part of the packet and goes with sketches, or would this be a separate packet that they would ask for just for joke writers? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And uh, also, like, I appreciate you including and thinking of, you know, late night as part of sketch world, because certainly a lot of late night is doing sketch comedy, and it's all short form comedy. So there's, you know, it, it connects so much to sketch, even when they're not exactly doing sketch. But they will tell you, like late night shows will say, here's exactly what you want to sub- we want you to submit to us. So and they're going to want you to do their bits. So if they're if you're submitting to real time with Bill Maher, for example, they're going to tell you, all right, Bill does a segment called New Rules. Mm-hmm. So we want to see three to f- that's on the show every time. So we want to see, you know, a page of monologue jokes, three to five new rules. And then Bill always ends with a comedic editorial about something going on in the world today. So we want one of those. So they're going to tell you that if you submit to Seth Meyers, they're going to say we want a page of monologue jokes, uh, a segment of one of Seth's recurring desk bits. And they might tell you what that is uh, and um, a closer look or, you know, the segments that Seth does. So the one thing that you can have sort of on standby if you're interested in late night is that page of monologue jokes. Because they're always going to ask you for the page monologue jokes. So having jokes, um, some of which are evergreen, right, that can last for a long time, uh, that you know work, kind of ready to go are great. And then maybe you can sprinkle that in when you're asked to submit with a couple ultra topical jokes that you add in. You know, I've had uh, people on who tested their material on Twitter. Um, I think it was Laurie Kilmartin who was on who talked about, you know, just at a point where she was just, she was unemployed and frustrated about the world and would just kind of put out every single day a, a, a joke about what was going on in the world. 
every day that was sort of her assignment to herself. It had to be an actual joke that like something she might try out and, and stand up and, you know, ended up with all this material. So when it came time to submit for um, her late night writing gig, she had just this huge amount of, of uh, jokes that had been tested and vetted. She could take like her top 20 you know, and put it into a packet. I hope it was Lori we're talking about. It's in my memory that it was her. But, um, but, but yeah, so you can keep using these other forms of short content that we're so used to on a daily level to practice and then make it into your packet and maybe get you some work. Yes. yes. And uh, Lori, whether it was Lori or not, Lori is brilliant, brilliant and hilarious. She regardless. is brilliant. She really she's is so funny. Oh my and God. She's so funny. And she's such a great follow on Twitter. And a lot of a lot of strong joke writers and stand up comedians have really thrived on Twitter because it's the perfect format for what strong joke writers do. Right. And like you said, Pilar, it's like it's a perfect way to test out material. Sure. You know, you don't hear the laughs, but you can go by the likes and the retweets. Absolutely. And if something resonated or not. So, it, you know, it's a great format for, for testing. I, you know, I think anybody, Mark, who gets to be taught by you is really lucky. And, you know, I say I, I, I am, you know, you're doing this online sketch school now. And um, I just want everybody to know about it. So tell everybody where they go to. Uh, to learn from the best. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, and 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 I feel the same way about you. Of course, having been a student in many of your classes, I know what a great uh, experience it is, thank you. and uh, am happy to recommend it and and do whenever I can. That's <laughs> a great experience. Who I, who I do recommend, and yeah, we are teaching sketch comedy at thesketchschool.com. It's an entirely online school. So anywhere in the world you are listening to this from, uh, you can um, take a class with us if you're interested. Take a workshop. Take a free workshop if you want to try it out. Our current workshops that are uh, are offered are all up there at that website right now, thesketchschool.com. And we even have a special coupon code available to you. If you're listening right now, just put in the coupon code PODCAST. Woo! P-O-D-C-A-S-T, when you are ordering for 20% off of a workshop, if you'd like to try one out. Sweet. Sweet. Yes, everybody do that. And Mark, also, do you tweet? Is it all under the Sketch School for your Twitter yes. and your and your Instagram and all that kind of stuff? Yes, all under the, the Sketch School. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mark. Oh, I, I, I forgot to promote my own school. Hey, I got a school too, people. I have a, an online school too. So right now we're in the middle of the writing TV class. The next class, the next official class is going to be um, writing feature film. Um, you can find that online at onthepage.tv. Um, but I am also strongly considering uh, bringing in my story analysis class for uh, a short while in December. So keep checking the website to see if that's there on the page.tv. I'd love to see you there. Mark, thank you so much. You rock. You're really good. This was excellent information and I learned a lot. So thank you. Well, it was so great to be back. Thank you so much, Pilar. I loved it. Love the conversation. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good writing week. Thank you.